When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It is hour two of the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. We're with you until 6 o'clock. I'll be joined by K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes here in just a moment as Travion makes the call. Also got number one song of the day and ask us anything coming up. So that uh, Travis Kelsey will have the opportunity on Monday to throw out the first pitch at Kauffman Stadium. It's got to go better than his pitch with the Indians. I was thinking, like, somebody's going to have to pull the short straw to be the catcher for that pitch. (laughs) Shane Bieber tried, like, as in, you know, pretended to be the catcher for for Travis Kelsey and his first pitch. I don't know when it was, but it was a Guardians game earlier this year, and it was a horrible first pitch. And when somebody throws out a horrible first pitch, like – Gary Delabate did at a Mets game back in the days from the Howard Stern show. 50 Cent had a really bad first Bing. pitch. Yep. Horrible. Chris Rock. Chris Rock had a bad one. You never usually see them try again, but Travis Kelsey wants to be redeemed. So he's going <laughs> to throw out the first pitch on Monday. The thing is, he spiked it halfway down. He's like, I was never a thrower. I, I'm, I'm just better with catching the ball. You know what I'm saying? It, he, was a, he said he was a right fielder. Back in the day when he played baseball, he was never close to the mound. And I get it a little bit. I'm sure it's a bit more nerve-wracking after you warm up and actually get out there to throw the first pitch. Right. Yep. It's not exactly the easiest thing to do. The, the nerves build up a little bit. Having done it at a minor league ballpark, my worry was, A, okay, I've got to get some mustard on this, and B, making sure I got it across home plate. But when Travis Kelsey talked about it on his podcast with his brother, it was excuse city. Like everything. It was everything else about the, right. the whole setup yeah. that, you know, he's like, he blamed his mom. He's like, mom was supposed to do it. And then she didn't want to decide to go out there and and, and throw out the first pitch. Uh, let's get to our guest. We're now joined by K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. Coach, have you ever thrown out the first pitch at a game? I have not. I have not. I do not plan to. <laughs> is it because there is the added pressure of actually being out there in front of people? They're all watching you throw this softly thrown ball. Well, you know, it just gives you guys, you know, content to talk about on the air. From what I've just been listening to, I want nothing to do with. It. Oh, coach, we tear you up if you had a bad pitch. There's, there's no question. That's that's why I will never do that. As a baseball coach, you're supposed to throw a strike. You know, I, I got pitchers that can't throw strikes. I, I'm I'm keeping that in mind if you ever ask me to throw out a first pitch, honestly. 
Well, be careful now. You, you just might. You might have walked your way into that one. <laughs> oh, I, I figured as much as I, when I said that I've done it before, I, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, Memorial Day, you, you didn't get what you were looking for, and that was uh, the the bid to get into the NCAA tournament and play in a regional for K-State for the first time in 10 years. And you, and you sent out your statement, and as everybody could imagine, we all felt you know, that K-State was screwed out of a spot <laughs> I mean, has it been enough time that you've been able to cool off and just reflect on the season and how great it was? Well, I'm still really frustrated. I'm and I'm I'm disappointed, you know, for our seniors who won't get another crack at it. You know, and um, just disappointed at many levels, really. But um, I'm I'm absolutely proud of our guys. That you know, they they want to know how come we didn't get selected. And I said, you did everything right. I can't really explain it to you. You did everything right. We can talk about one game here, one game there, but you did enough to be in the top 64 teams in the country and play in that tournament. And sometimes life's just not fair, and next year we're going to work harder, we're going to play better, I'm going to schedule better, and you know, you just got to win more games, I guess, you know, and to keep it out of people's hands and, and keep it away from political agendas. And, you know, that, that's what we have to do. we got to win more games. Well, uh, you brought the scheduling part of that, how difficult is that to put together? Because you know, baseball with how early it starts and like you know, there's not as much value on road games that there should be when it comes to this selection process. There's just so much in RPI. It's about, I guess, who you play and with it being regionalized. Sometimes the regional teams aren't great. So how how difficult then does it make it on your job to build a schedule that will get you into the field? In this part of the country. If, if, if you are going to be so RPI dependent, it's beyond challenging. And and here's why I say that: from a five-hour drive radius of Manhattan, Kansas, there's 11 Division One opponents, non-conference that we can play. Of those 11 opponents, the average RPI is 157, and that that's who we have to play non-conference. And I'm talking about five-hour drive, so. Who's talking about a student athlete if we have to go five hours to play a, a, a lower level RPI opponent? You know, when you, it's a 10 hour round trip and you have to stay overnight and it's midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're missing Tuesday, Wednesday classes. You know, not just to get back to travel on a Thursday and play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's an unbelievable challenge. And then the average RPI is 157. So, so, to, so to give you sort of a geographical perspective on that, if you go to Raleigh, North Carolina and drive a three hour radius, for instance, NC State, they have seven quad one opportunities in the three-hour radius of NC State, and they have ten quad two opportunities just to start. So there is an unbelievable regional bias and, and regional differences. So what's our solution? We'll get in a plane for a Tuesday and Wednesday, miss more class, and go play an ACC team or an SEC team. <clears throat> well, guess what? We've tried that. Those teams don't want to play us Tuesday and Wednesday because their RPI is already built in on the weekends in conference because of where they are geographically. They want they have other opportunities within their region where they don't want a Kansas State coming in there on a Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they play each other on the weekend and their RPI is insulated. So their RPI is protected and goes up whether someone wins or losses. It's completely flawed metric. you know. And then uh, you talked about road games. In baseball, you get more credit for a win on the road than you do for a home win. So they do factor that in. 
so you look at our our resume, right? We went on the road to get more to, to balance the RPI that we can't get with with opponents, and we went fourteen and eleven on the road, the second most wins in the Big Twelve. Arizona, who gets in, is was four and fourteen on the road. They were the first team in the history of that tournament, the history of college baseball, to be selected in the field of sixty four, six games under five hundred in the league. You know, so. Someone has to explain that to our guys and our seniors who will never play again that deserve to play in the national tournament. There has to be a geographic sliding scale when you get into that committee room. So you have to have committee members that understand college baseball from coast to coast that that a 52 RPI in Kansas is like a 32 RPI in the Mid-Atlantic or in the South, like a 41 at UC Irvine RPI should be looked at as a 21 in other regions of the country. And it was like that. It was like that. That committee was like that two, three years ago before they got some people on that committee that have completely slanted it to an SEC committee in an SEC meeting room. And until we change that, until we change the format of who's in that committee room, until we change the leadership or get rid of the RPI, it's going to be like this every year. Speaking with K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes here on the game, are you in favor of moving the start time of the season to a later date like in March? Do you think that would make a difference? Absolutely nothing to do with it. It's not going to change the opponents we have in the region in their RPIs and their conference RPIs to change our midweek options non-conference. It has nothing to do with it. And, you know, we, we, we go on the road the first couple of weeks. You know, it doesn't matter to us. And, and we felt... It's the metric of the year. It's the flavor of the year. It used to be, hey, what's their road record? But no one asked what our road record was because it didn't work for them, right? But the RPI worked for us, and that was the only one of the only metrics that went against us was the RPI. A fourteen eleven on the road. I mean, that that that's that's twenty five games on the road. No no one goes to UC Irvine on their weekend off in the in conference late April. To, to play a game in California, to play a series. And we did that to improve our RPI. No, no one gets credit for that, the toughness in our program to do that. You know, instead, they just fall on one metrics that can shape, you know, an agenda. And the agenda was to get more AC, more SEC teams in the, in, um, in the tournament. And I just don't understand how, I don't understand the relevance of conference play if, we, we, we come in basically, we're tied for second place, and, and the two teams that we finish ahead of in conference play, when we all have common opponents, Texas Tech, we finish a game ahead of them and we beat them in a series. Oklahoma, we finished them, we, we finished two games ahead of them and we swept them in a series. How do those te- two teams get into the tournament and we don't? I, that's the tough one for me to explain. I just don't know. And then you look at the conference tournament. You want to put weight on that. Oklahoma goes one and two. We go two and two. We beat Texas, the number one seed. We swept them, knocked them out of the tournament. And and still, our resume is not good enough. So it, it, it was flawed. I'm not sure what the solution is, but I know from my standpoint, you know, we apparently didn't win enough games, and we're going to win more games next year. We're going to play better. We're going to work harder, and I'm going to schedule more efficiently if I can. But unfortunately, it means we're going to have to get in a plane and go play a Tennessee on a Tuesday. or uh, But the problem is, Mitch, I asked Florida, I asked Clemson, I asked Vanderbilt, I asked Florida State, hey, let us come to your place midweek and, and we'll, we'll go there. 
we'll get in the plane and go there and play on a Tuesday and Wednesday. I know it's exhausting, but it's important for our program. It's a great RPI opportunity. And I got hard, cold no's because they don't need the RPI. They don't need to be to, to have that come in town on a Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, their, their weekends are tough enough and their RPIs are already built in. So I can't even use that as a solution. So I'm having trouble finding high RPI non-conference opponents. It's just, it's a challenge. I mean, I've, I've been working on the schedule all day today. I'm getting the roadblocks everywhere. I just, I just called DBU. Let us come play you on a Wednesday before we play tech, uh, TCU. You know, and they said, and, you know, Coach Eaton is one of the best coaches in the region, or one of the best coaches in the country. He said, our non-conference where we live, you know, is, is, is we get high enough RPI, understand your challenge, and um, we're not going to be able to do that for you. So we're getting roadblocks everywhere, but we'll keep trying. We'll try to keep try, try to be creative. Uh, the best solution to the whole thing is, number one, take the RPI, throw it in the trash, and come up with another metric. Or, number two, everyone has four or five RPI games that they can just say, do not include this on our resume, and then and then factor them. That, that'll allow us to play more games against some lower RPI teams and let our kids have the student-athlete experience. Speaking with Pete Hughes here on the game, yeah, that that, that whole scheduling thing that is that's real eye opening. Um, you know, the the advantages for some and the real disadvantage for other, just based on region, is is really mind boggling and it's crazy how you've opened it up like that and trying to establish it. The, 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 the scenario you just broke down for us is that all in response to being left out of the tournament, or have you tried doing that in the past? Yes, we played twenty five games on the road. I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Who the heck doesn't want to leave the tournament, man? They, they fill it up. We play in front of the best crowd in the country. Our kids play great at home. So we, we go on the road. I scheduled it that way. And on, I scheduled three conference champions that were in the national tournament last year and, you know, thinking that we were going to build RPI. And then you've then you got to bank on those schools having back-to-back good years or, or having their RPI show up. You know, Army won their, their national tournament team. They won the conference last year, you know. CMO, they, they, they won their conference national tournament team last year. Um, who's the third one I'm thinking of? I can't think of it right now, but there, there's a third. Oh, Air Force, right? They won mm, the Mountain yeah. West. So we got in a plane on a Tuesday, Wednesday, which no one does. Very very few people in college baseball to play those guys on a Tuesday, Wednesday on a road to try to improve our RPI. But it's hit or miss. Think, you know, what kind of years these guys are going to have. Some of the schedules are done two, three years out. You know, it's... Uh, it's challenging, really, you know, and, and the sad part about it, Mitch, is that if, if we didn't play any midweek games, if we didn't play any midweek games and cut our schedule down to 45 games, we would have went to the national tournament. And, and, and I'm not going to do that because the student-athlete experience is to play 56 games. And, but that's what the RPI does. It makes you cancel games because uh, whether you win or lose, you show up in the park, the RPI goes down. What what what? what in society, what system? What system does not reward you for winning? Yeah. There's some. We win, we go down in the RPI. If we played UC Riverside, right, and won, we would have dropped ten points in the RPI. I mean, when do you get punished for winning in anywhere? You know, it's like so. The system's crazy, um, and it, it got us this year because they just they got honed in on that metric to make all their decisions with. The criteria to be an at-large bid, the criteria the committee goes, you have to be inside an RPI of 75 to be considered for an at-large bid. And there we are, we're sitting at 55, 
with a 13-11 record in the Big 12, the third-rated conference in the country, and they just hone in on that 55. And, you know, it, it, we, we had a good team, man, a team that could have went on a run. We had enough pieces. We, we had enough pieces to win a regional, absolutely enough pieces to beat anybody in, in a super regional, you know. And, and that team, this team got hot. We had the best closer in the country. I mean, what, what a weapon, you know. And we could get the run game going. We had a lot of different things that were appealing um, that could have got really hot in this tournament. So it's frustrating and, and more of a disappointment. I feel terrible for our players. Well, how important was it during the selection show, after the field was announced, the director of the of the committee comes onto the show and says that now is the time, like we got to have some RPI and selection reform. I wish he said it before the before the committee met. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why after the fact it's going to make his decisions their decisions directed by him. It's, it's not going to rationalize leaving teams like Kansas State out just because he can announce that the RPI is, is a flawed metric. And, and he also said, and we got to stop canceling games. That, that, we need to stop doing that. Well, people are canceling games because the RPI is flawed. You know? so, 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 so why do you make all your decisions based on RPI if you are going to come out publicly and say it's flawed? And decisions were made. So... He went. He went right down the line that committee did on 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 host sites. So, of the sixteen host sites, fifteen were in the top sixteen in the RPI, and there was only one that was outside the top sixteen in the RPI. It was Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the chairman of the of the of the committee is the AD Auburn. And, and number meanwhile, number twelve RPI, I think they're twelve, twelve or fourteen Campbell. They don't get rewarded with a host. Everybody wants to play at home. Everyone plays at home. There's a huge advantage for playing at home. So that's critical, being a host. So what an advantage, you know. And then they go right down the line on the RPI. It comes to Auburn, and, 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 and they got the host site. There's just too much, you know, maneuvering and, and political, you know, jockeying in those committee rooms. And it's not fair to the kids. It's not in the true spirit of the NCAA tournament. That's for sure. Well, Coach, I'll leave you with a couple more questions here. I, I remember – the, the first conversation we had was at Stephen F. Austin. It was the pregame, first game of the year. We just kind of looked at and talked about like the, the improvements you wanted to see, and you mentioned being more aggressive on the bases, taking more walks. You thought the infield was going to have a stellar year, and they did. They were a tenth of a percentage off of having the best fielding percentage in K-State history. I guess the question is, like in the improvements, the major improvements you wanted to see, did anything not work out for your team this year? We, we did it. We hit all our goals, honestly, Mitch. We, I wish we, I wish we did a better job with hitting with runners in scoring position, or you know, two out hitting that that kind of stuff. But I thought we pitched well enough. Um, I thought we were, we we were consistent enough. I thought our bullpen was great um, with Tyson and Tyrell at certain times. A, a little bit of consistent, a little bit inconsistent with starting pitching as far as finding out that third guy and then. You know, we finally figured it out. We moved Ty Ty Rule to to a starting role, and and that that was the way we were heading in the postseason. And that's that's pretty stout when you get three starters. But for us, we're one of three teams in the country that had three hundred plus walks, a hundred plus stolen bases, and, and seventy five plus home runs. So that's a multi dimensional offense right there. That's that's a team that can score runs when they're not hitting three run homers. They can steal bases. You know, I think we walked 220 times last year, 340 this year. It's 120 extra base runners. It's a lot of traffic, and 
every time you steal a base, you're in scoring position. So there were a lot of opportunities. I thought we could have scored more runs, honestly. Um, and then, you know, the games that we lost, we just didn't execute fundamentally. And, uh, but we always, we always were in position with the exception of two or three games really, to win a game. And if you can go through 59 games, I think it was, right, if you can do that um, and have an opportunity to win every game except two or three, I tell you, it's, it's a good year. It's a really solid team. Uh, thought we should have won more games. Um, certainly thought we did enough in the number three league in the country to, to, to give our kids a chance to make a run for Omaha. What do you think of this Big 12 Mexico thing? Are you in for uh, some exhibitions south of the border? <clears throat> yeah, I'm in. As long as I get an extra RPI points, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does your summer look like? What do you got going on this summer? Anything fun? Uh, right now it's portal portal mania. You know, yeah. um, get kids on campus. I had two kids on today. and um, Unfortunately, you know, when these jobs open, People are getting fired every day in our, in our profession. Unfortunately, it creates portal action, and you know we're trying to trying to get involved with kids and try not to overdo it. Just I think we got a really good team coming back. We want to pick the right pieces of the puzzle. But then uh, in in 15 days, my wife and I will drop my youngest son off to, to West Point for his first year at West Point to play baseball. So that that'll happen soon, and then then I'll go down the Cape, honestly, and. and and babysit some of our guys who are draft threats, uh, players on our team, incoming players from junior college kids, because the draft's in July, which doesn't make sense, right? And then um, we'll recruit some portal kids who are down there that, that we're involved with down the Cape, so I'll spend, I'll spend about four or five days doing that um, and then come back here and uh, just continue to recruit, you know, so... Yep, that's what we got. The high school recruiting has kind of slowed down a little bit because of how active we are in the portal and how old college baseball is. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll have a we'll have a feel for what our, our roster looks like with the portal soon. But then we got to wait around for the draft to see how the draft pans out and mm-hmm. see what kind of kids in our program sign or, or the incoming team sign. So our roster changes all the time. It's, it's so inconsistent in college baseball. Actually, I'll ask you one more. You think Nick Goodwin is going to be a decently high draft pick this year? I think so. Nick, Nick's full body of work, he's done enough. Um, certainly going down the Cape. Cape is the number one amateur league in the country. It's sponsored by Major League Baseball. It's it's the elite of the elite. So you go down there and put up numbers against the elite of the elite, you, you've, kind of, you've kind of sealed your deal. He did that last summer um, with an all-star and short-star. I think Nick gets drafted in the fifth. Uh, fourth to sixth round this year, and, and we'll have a great career. He's still got a couple jumps left in him, but we'll miss him. I love that kid. Well, Coach, to wrap up, I just want to let you know that uh, you, you asked me this question a while back. You asked me since I was at the Stern Show if I had a favorite whack packer. I'm going to change my answer. My answer is now Beetlejuice. I was going off eyewitness accounts just overall with show appearances and, and entertainment. I got to go with Beetlejuice. Yeah, he's uh He's the best of the best of the whack pack. He's 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 the leader of them all. But um, I'm still going to go with Wendy, yeah. and I'll be politically correct with that one. And then and then Tan Mom. It's uh, it's always a belly laugh, man. And they, especially when they imitate it. There's a guy on the show that's got her down, got her down pat. But um, I I no longer have serious radio in in my vehicle. My wife shut that down, so I, I, I'm missing my Howard Stern. I, I got a kick out of it when I was listening before they came on with the 
Garrett Delabato's first pitch. You know, you could tell he's such an honor. You know, he, that, that that would have been the result. But um, yeah, that's it. That's my Howard Stern throw-in for the day. All right, Coach. Well, have a good summer. I'm sure we'll be talking to you in the fall. So I uh, really appreciate your time. We'll be talking to you soon. Hey, thanks for everything, Mitch. This year, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. That's K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes here on The Game. We'll take a timeout. We'll continue on next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. Phone numbers 537-1350 if you want to chime in with anything. So we continue on with the game. Well, here on the podcast due to copyright reasons, but number one song of the day coming up at 540, Ask Us Anything, we'll wrap up the show. Saw on uh, on Twitter earlier today, Andy Reid, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, was talking to the media about the team, of course, uh, but also was asked the question, since he is, uh, as you could tell, a lover of food, what his favorite foods were at the White House when the team visited earlier this week. So now this is the second thing to come out of that that is entertaining from the Chiefs' visit to the White House and, and visiting with the president, Joe Biden, because we saw on, was it Monday, right? Was it Monday or Tuesday when Travis Kelsey tried yes. going up to the podium Monday. and uh, Monday. Mahomes pulled him away? Yes. As entertaining as that was, we got the breakdown of the food that was available for the Chiefs, and it wasn't exactly fast food. That was cold. Uh so he, there was three items that stood out to him. Bite-sized watermelon. And I was like, okay, this guy is he clearly values every bite of food he eats. If a <laughs> if a piece of watermelon is going to be that important to him. And he was like it was like not just watermelon, it was the heart of the watermelon in it. I had to go talk to the chefs afterwards. They took the time to cut all that. I'm like Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up cutting up watermelon, and it's pretty easy to do. It's not that time-consuming, I would think, if you have it down. But anyway, okay, I, pre- I, I can understand the appreciation. And then exotic chicken tenders. 
And I'm like, how do, how do you, how are they exotic? Do these chickens from Brazil? Like, is Brazil chicken different than American? I, what can can you explain that to me, Trey or Troy? What exotic chicken fingers means? Is it the seasoning? I would say it would have to be the seasoning, but that's just a just a guess. What what is exotic chicken fingers, Travion? I have no idea. Is it those like white weird chickens from India or the I don't Middle know. East area? But that's the but, only thing I could think of. The the first piece of food that he actually talked about though was the showstopper. And as soon as he said what it was, I was like, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. Travion, I need your reaction to this, so get ready. I need your instant reaction. Okay. It was a French toast grilled cheese with ham. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it'll work. I think that sounds amazing. He said there's some powdered sugar on it. I was like. I'm apprehensive, but I would try it. I was like, that's genius. Like, that is what he should have went to the chefs with. Praising, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. praising the French toast ham and cheese. Uh, and a hot ham and cheese, grilled. I'm like, it. once you put it together, it sounds amazing, but it's like, how did we not think of this before? I kind of want to make it for dinner tonight. because it's not hard right like everything that was mentioned here it's not the hardest thing to make it's it's seems pretty simple yeah am i alone here like that doesn't sound like try it but i'm not like oh i want some french toast ham and cheese right now i'm not i'm not a huge ham guy well, you, uh, I like ham. 86 the ham, if you don't want it. Try something Just else. Just go with yeah. the cheese. I bet it's fantastic. See, French toast with cheese, now you lost me. That just does not sound good. The thing is, I'm probably not like dipping it or putting any syrup on it. Okay, that might change it a little bit. I then. might stay away from the syrup, but you have the powdered sugar on there. Yes. I mean, it's just better flavored bread. Sure. Sure. That's all it is, really. Cheese, ham in there. Oh, man. That sounds delicious to me. Do you like crunchy French toast or do you like like spongy? You have to have the edges crunchy, but, I mean, the middle is supposed to be spongy. Yeah, right. I mean, it would to right. put the syrup on there. I mean, Right. I think what Troy said. Yeah, I feel you. Meanwhile, I saw this as well. So we brought this up a while back. I know we did. And... Um, Weren't we somewhere and somebody overheard us talking about it? Casa Bonita in yes. in Colorado. Yeah, like I, somebody chimed in on the conversation, and we were like, I, "And I'd never been, of course, but you've been. This gal had been multiple times. And yeah, it, of course, it was featured on an episode of South Park where you got people jumping off the cliffs, whatever else they do, but the food is terrible. The food has been terrible. Yes, because really, well, huh. yeah. Listen to you, smart Alec. Well. Uh, well, let me let me give you this info, and I'll let you continue. So, the creators of South Park bought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and those two dudes, thanks to South Park, are extremely rich. Right, like their net value is uh, like their net worth combined is like one point four billion dollars. Really, that's how that's how rich yeah. they are off South yeah. Park. That's insane. That's how big South Park has been for Comedy Central and the movies. 
but they bought Casa Bonita and they said that when they started doing renovations, it was like an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah, sure. It was mm-hmm. that horrible. Yes. Renovation costs, and they're not even done, is $40 million. I joked about, and keeping in mind that we took my niece who just graduated here and her brother and, and my brother's family, we took them to Casa Bonita when they were still... When when Julia and Luke were still kids, I want to say she was 13 maybe at most. And I felt like that there was still dust in that building that would had been there since I had last visited, Jeez. which had been 10 years previous. I mean, just it was not well kept at all. And part of that was because... You know, originally, uh, that was one of a chain of restaurants, and it had been shuttled off on various mergers and buyouts over time, and so it was. It tended to be forgotten, which was odd, given that everybody and their dog had attached themselves in that area to, you know, loving the place. So where's, the food was awful. The food was horrendous. Sopapillas were great. But the food, the general food, forget about it. If you don't know a Casa, made, it made Taco Bell look good. Yeah, Casa Bonita. If you don't know, <laughs> it's a it's a Mexican restaurant. It, it seems very upscale, and there's a lot going on. It was not upscale by any stretch of the imagination in terms of the food. It's it rem- so here's my here's my analogy or like description of Casa Bonita. It's like Boone Pickens Stadium. It is a Taj Mahal on the outside. Once you get on the inside, it is a scrap metal yard. It has, let's just say that it will retain most of the good that was inside, and a lot of the bad has been pushed out. Um, the renovations from what I have seen, and Denver Media has had a, has had a pass-through. They couldn't take many photos, but some of what I have heard is also that uh, in terms of what people enjoyed about the interior, including the cliff diving, is still in place. Just that things have been cleaned up, have been improved upon. The cliff dive. What a random thing to put in a restaurant. Yes, but it is tremendous entertainment. Once you see it once or twice, I don't know. Well, okay, yeah, it's a valid point, but again... So it's in Denver. Like it's, it's in La- it's in one of the suburbs. It's in okay. Lakewood. Okay. Uh, it's also a it's been open since the sixties. Yeah, it's been oh. open since the, actually that one since seventy three. By the way, Casa Bonita in Spanish is pretty house. Pink. It's a out- horror house once you go inside. Yeah, apparently, well, has been yes. Uh, just a garish pink building with a gold dome on it. Uh, it is, however, a historic landmark in the city of Lakewood. 2015 was named a historic landmark. Um, I was reading that they had to go through like 15 different shades of pink to match the right pink that for would the outside. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing in it. But even more so, there were a lot of safety issues that had been blown off by previous management. That's why it became like kitchen nightmares because it was a lot of the the power, the you know just in general safety issues that wound up costing it much more wound up costing uh trey and 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 why am i blanking on oh trey parker matt stone yeah Yeah. trey and matt it's why it's costing them much more than what maybe they even thought 
but they paid 3.1 alone just to get the rights to the place. They bought, they paid 3.1 million dollars to take it out of bankruptcy. But 40 million is a lot of money for renovation. Yeah, just renovation for a is restaurant. That's incredible. I've never heard of a price tag that high. That's how beloved it is. It's a huge is. place, right? Yeah, it is a huge place. But yeah. that's how beloved it is in the Denver area. I mean, it it's it it's crazy. Well, what that it is that, but what did it being featured on South Park though? Like that Oh, sure. That was probably a big boost. It was, but even even before then, it it had its it had its lure. For example, when we were out at one of the trips for the band when we went to a CU football game with the K-State band, marched then the following day at uh, at Mile High Stadium. You know, we had we had people with the band that once we arrived at our hotel and the like, they got an act together and got a group of them and they went to Casa Benita. <laughs> we were staying out by you know, we were staying out by Stapleton Airport at the time. And they got their, you know, got a group together. It, you know, it's kind of like I laugh about the the football players that I was with in Sacramento that decided they wanted in and out a $70 taxi ride later. Not worth it. I mean, it was right. Well, there's that matter, but you know, it's it's the same type of a it's the same type of a story. Not worth a twenty dollar ride, but, if you but, ask me. But you know, wow. folks wanted to go to Casa Bonita. It, it it's just had that that lore to it over the years, and South Park just pushed it that much farther into the stratosphere. And I mean, they freaking executive chef to redo the menu. They Wait, hired an executive chef to redo the at menu. At least the food down's going to be better. Exactly. That it's got to be. We got to take a break. When we come back, number one song of the day after these words. Here we go. That song's just a really well written song, and I love all the different versions of that song. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a. Billy Joel Armstrong a has a really good version too. He does. He mm-hmm. I, he he uh, didn't he record it or he performed it during the pandemic? I yes, think. during yeah. that series. Let me find my questions. Okay. Which of the seven wonders of the world would you want to visit the most? Andre the Giant. He was, <laughs> he was, the, he was the eighth wonder of the world. Oh, the pyramids. Yeah, I'd I, say the I pyramids. Agree. Egypt seems very fascinating. Me too. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated with Egyptian stuff. A cousin of mine, he has a really rich mom. Uh, that's not related to my side of the family. Um, but she took him, like when he was 16, as like a 16th birthday present to Egypt. Wow. It went to the pyramids. I'm like, I don't think I've ever been more jealous of somebody's trip than that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. It's got to be. I, I don't know. I guess the Great Wall is the Great Wall of China. I think it's one. A seventh one. I'd I don't know all the seventh one. I would be more apt for that one than I would be the pyramids myself. Don't like the heat? Well, yeah. <laughs> if Christine McVie was still alive, I would say Fleetwood Mac. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Great Wall of China's one, the Taj Ooh, Mahal. Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. I, I've told Lindsay this. Machu Picchu is at, it's in my top three of places I want to visit. Machu, because mm. just the hike alone up to Machu Picchu would would be extremely fun. What else is uh, the Colosseum? You know, Coach cool. Robinette was just there. 
and took some cool pictures. I'm like, you know, I've, I've almost seen enough pictures that, but I, it, you know, it's got it's, it's one place I gotta see. You know, I I'm, I'm that person. I just want to see everything. Um, yeah, I'm be more apt for for the Great Wall of China. Uh, mm-hmm. The Taj Mahal would be would be solid, and maybe the Coliseum. Go those top three. Well, we're on for an hour and a half tomorrow. I'm taking the day off, so it's What's gonna this be we stuff. It's gonna be Troy. <laughs> Don't need your sass, Troy. He's got number two song of the day for you tomorrow. I hope. I'll I was looking forward to that. Yeah. For Trey, Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats. Have a good weekend.